Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love Well podcast. My name is Marlin. And my name is Anna. And we are super excited that you are joining back in with us uh, as we uh, prepare and continue to share stories. And today we have a very, very special guest. Uh, so I'm going to let my friend Anna tell us a little bit about our guest today. Yes, so we have John Bonera with us today, and he is all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, if you're a country music fan, there you go. But um, he's originally also from the Congo, Democratic Republic of the Congo. So we are honored to have him with us today to talk a little bit about um, growing up in the Congo, what it looked like to immigrate here in the States and just get all of his... Um, of his take on that. So, John, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and maybe what it was like growing up in the Congo? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, hey guys, uh, my name, I say my name is John Tibonera, and I'm super super excited to be on this podcast, Love Whale Podcast. Man, I'm so pumped and I'm really excited to share my story over here. Yeah, so um, uh, I am uh, originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And just a little bit of a history of the Congo. Congo is uh, the second largest country in the continent of Africa. It is very big and uh, it is extremely rich with natural resources. And uh, I know some of you may be wondering, how is Congo so rich? And um, we hear a lot of uh, negative stories about Congo, but Congo is uh, extremely mm -hmm. rich with all the natural resources. Congo has the... Um, 60% of to 80% of the world coltons of natural resources that are natural resources that powers all our cell phones, like uh, in the computer devices, our cell phones, no cell phone, no Congo, no computers, no Congo. Uh, they, they, um, they, they that, yep, that, that devices powers all our cell phones, computer mm. engine, computer jets. Uh, it makes bombs. So, Congo contribute contribute so much into the world technology, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a lot of gold. We have a lot of diamonds. It is considered the richest, mm. the richest country in the world when it comes to natural resources. But those natural resources became our curse for Congo, because uh, a country that has a lot of natural resources, there's not going to be peace over there because. Everybody in the world needs that natural resources. All the compute, all the uh, world, uh, like companies like Apple, whatever is that, they need those resources to continue yeah. uh, making their business huge. And uh, that is the cost why I became a refugee. Because uh, uh, since, uh, since 1998, the Democratic Republic of Congo has lost almost, uh, almost 6 million people have killed in the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And a little bit of the history, even before 1998, Congo was ruled, was under the, the, uh, was under the rule of King, King Leopold of, uh, of the Belgium. And he killed almost 20 million Congolese in the Congo. And uh, wow. I just gave you the history. All, all that is the reason why I became a refugee, because of Congolese natural resources. And that yeah. is also why Congo has... Congo brings a lot of refugees in the U.S. Even according to the U.N. report this year, it's so many Congolese who have entered the U.S. more than any other countries in the world. 
it's because of uh, uh, the war that is unending in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, when I was, uh, I grew up in the Congo as, as a young child, you know, just as a normal child in the world. And war is something that I never expected that I, the one day I'm going to experience or is going to happen. And when I picture back uh, growing up in the Congo, I was, I was so young during that time. And I was like almost nine years old. And uh, I was, my family we were enjoying dinner, having, uh, we were playing, out, playing outside a uh, kid's game with other kids. We were just having a great time, you know. And then uh, just mm-hmm. over the sudden, we had, we had gunshots and bombs everywhere, like all over the, you know, all over the city. And we started running. All the kids, we were confused. We had, we had mm-hmm. screams everywhere. We had, we had kids screaming. We had women screaming. We had, we had fires. We had gunshots, and we all ran in the house. Um, mm-hmm. I hide myself in the house and under the table, and we had bombs and gunshots everywhere. People were screaming. People were dying. You know, we were looking outside the window. Everybody is screaming. Everybody is running. There's fire. There was a, it was confusion, confusion over mm-hmm. there. And uh, after a while, my dad told us that nobody's supposed to go outside because there was war happening happening outside. I was so scared in my life as a young child, child that night, and it's something that I never experienced before. So my dad, mm-hmm. the rebels, the rebels during that time, they were passing through our villages, and um, we were so scared. So during that night, my dad told us we cannot we cannot stay in this village no more. We have wow. to leave. By t- by tonight, you mm. know, my dad told everybody in the family that hey, hey, everybody, you need to pick it up whatever you can you can in the house. You need to pick anything, but you can't carry anything heavy. During that time, I was so young. I remember I carried two things: a spoon and a knife. Is the only thing that I put in my pocket, you know. And then uh, wow. we started run- We started our journey during that night, and we were. We were just walking, we were just running during the night. We don't know where we are going. And I can remember me and my brother, we were running together. And my dad told us to uh, hold each other's hands. And when I, when I was looking on my shoes, we didn't have any shoes. We were not wearing even shoes. And mm. we started running miles and miles. You know, we sleep in the forest. You know, we sleep in the forest while war is going on. And um, so it was tough. It was really tough. You know, there was a, while we were running, there were gunshots, you know, People were being dead, you know, people died during that time we were running. Uh, kids were left orphans when you were running, you know. So there was a point that we just ran, we just sleep in the forest the whole night. And it was like days and days, a week. You just, nobody's helping my family over there. So we just had a, um, just a good Samaritan pass. They helped my family and they put a, my family in a bus and then they drove us to a safety country, which is Kenya. Kenya is an Eastern African country which uh, which holds a lot of refugees from from Sudan, from Somalia, from just uh, all over the world. They go over there, which is more safe. So when we uh, when we were in Kenya, we were now you know known as refugees we, because we fled our country. We have no home no more, and it was not only us; it was uh, it was with other thousands of refugees from the Congo. So in Congo, we were given a refugee status. And uh, when you were given a refugee status, now you are under the protection 
of the UN, which stands for United Nations High Commission for Refugees. So the UN is the one that uh, takes care of refugees. We are, when you are you register with them, you are under their protection. They are the ones that help you to uh, find you a country mm. that is going to give you a resettlement. It may be US, it may be Canada, it may be Australia. So, but you have to go through the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. So we so John in a just to form. just to give um, our listeners a little bit more insight into we've been talking about as we hear yeah. have heard a couple of different immigration stories. Every process is different. So I hear you mention yeah. when you are yeah, a yeah. refugee, they try to find a country. Do you have a say into choosing what country? you are going to be resettled or your family is going to be resettled to resettled to you don't you don't have a say you know once you're a refugee mm. you have nothing to say you have nothing mm. to contribute mm. you are there wow. you are vulnerable and the best thing to do is just to be to be there and they find a safe place for you to go mm. and uh, so you wait you just wait you. Mm. yeah my family we waited for nine years and and is that it night. common for you to like switch from place to place or once you're there, do you usually just stay at the same place? No, you can switch. You just stay over there. Okay. Wow. We all stay together with other, we all stay with other refugees. And it's not when you're over there, your life is not normal. You know, you're not living mm -hmm. a normal life because mm -hmm. yeah. when you're a refugee, Africa is, Africa is not a United State of Africa. We are not united. So mm. when you are in another country, you're still a foreigner. You're still a foreigner yeah. in another country even though you're a refugee, even though you're from Africa. Yeah. You're still a refugee in that country. They have, they have their own, they have their own laws. They have their own rules. So a refugee is not supposed to work. You're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to make any mm -hmm. income. Like you're just not allowed to, to live as a normal citizen of that country because you don't have any paperwork. You are illegal yeah. in there. Yeah. So we just, so this, sounds, we just, this is like a very silly question, but what do you do all day then? You just live a life. You just wait over there. And this UN, you know, the UN, they have programs which they feed refugee. They have like a mm -hmm. like a feeding programs for refugee. So it was really tough. One of the toughest life in my life where my mom, we had we had to go to their office every morning, maybe every Wednesday, like like once per week. Mm -hmm. And every mm -hmm. every kids we have, every kids we have to make a line. We stay in a line with other refugee, maybe from. Because the light is thousands of people waiting for food. So, and the wow. only food that is there, yeah, mm. and the only food that is there, they're serving refugees. They only give you rice, beans, and salt. That's all. And, um, and oil, rice, beans, salt, and oil from, that's your life. You're never going to buy, you're never going to afford, they're never going to give you meat. They're never going to give you chicken. They're never going to give you nothing. It's rice and beans. That's the only food you're going to eat as a refugee. That's how I lived my life in a refugee camp before I came to the U.S. And we could say that, like, we I always say that we survived like mm. birds. How birds survived. Mm. Like, yeah, and I don't, I, I would like for you to share, um, I know you have mentioned, you know, you, you are a Christian and how did faith play into you living life as a refugee with your family? Yeah. Wow, that is that is really a good question because 
my family, we depend on Christ. You know, without faith, mm. we could have died. Without faith, we couldn't have survived because it was it was not a not easy place to survive. A lot of refugees they died, mm. they lost their lives. They even lose hope. You know, because mm-hmm. there's um, it's not a hundred percent that you can survive. First of all, you have to survive war, and then you have to survive starvation as a refugee. You have to live a life where you don't, you know, your future is not guaranteed. You don't mm. know, like your life is stuck. You don't know what to expect next. But faith, faith is what kept us going on because we had God, we had Jesus. We, my dad and my mom, we used to pray every day. You know, even though we didn't have food, even though we didn't have food to eat, my dad used to make us surround. We surround. We used to live in a room which was like ten by ten, and we had to surround uh, the table. And my dad would come, was like. Hey guys, we we have empty plates, and I wanted to surround these plates and pray without food. You know, my I used to think my dad is crazy when he said that, and I'm like, why do we have to pray and there's no food? And then he would have take water and pour water into our plate, and then we pray, you know. And then when we're gonna wake up in the morning, we're gonna find food outside. That was one of the most uh, miracles that I've ever seen in my life. That. Mm. Wow. We pray for food at night. We wake up in the morning. We've had food at our, at our door. Like I never expect that something like that will ever happen before. And that's that what literally makes like, me think of like yeah. the Lord's prayer, like give us our food, yeah. like a yeah. daily bread. Like that's yeah. your daily substance, you know? Yeah. How well, long were, we were you at the refugee camp? We were over there for nine Kenya. years. Okay. Yeah. So that's a long time to be eating long... rice and beans. Rise and beans, and not Rise. being able to work. No, no. Yeah. So that at, at that point, you're depending on other people to provide. You know, you're uh, you that sustenance. But man, how encouraging it is to to hear because it, it's it's very easy for us Christians and just general, regardless of our um, place of origin or where we're from, like that dependence piece. Yeah. You know, like it. In the hardest of times, the hope is Jesus. You know, you guys literally had nothing, which for many of us, including myself, I'm an immigrant, have a very different story. I don't know what it is like to have to go through what you did, you know, but the dependence, the resilience, the hope, the, you know, of, of Jesus, you know, that, that it's, you're not only surviving with your like physical needs, but the spiritual ones. Cause you said, you mentioned a lot of people lost hope, you know, and seeing how yeah. you guys for nine years, that's a long mm-hmm. time, nine mm-hmm. years, you guys were able to be resilient in a way that many of us won't, won't be able to experience. Um, but man, just seeing the power of Jesus and the miracles that, that yeah. he, did in in your your life and your families and the faith of just not having anything guaranteed but you're Mm. still you're you're still counting on that god's gonna provide and knowing who god is to carry you through to when he does provide like Mm. that's insane yeah we are like god was our only hope and mm. without him, we wasn't going to survive anything because our life depend, depended on him. Even when we, mm. was, we used to get sick, we used to get sick, but my parents couldn't never get up money to take us to the hospital. And my dad, he, had, he just had to pray 
and we expect mm. miracle and do and we were healed like i mean man my parents faith was like well, i can say like like dangerous man like mm-hmm. i feel like they used to mm. they used to biblical they used to pro- <laughs> yeah biblical I, I feel like they, look biblical. Your dad was Moses. They, they used to, they used to talk to god until god here like when i was mm. sleeping when, when when we were sleeping they were praying the whole night they mm. prayed the whole night when we were sleeping and the we would wake up, we would smile, even though we were starving, but we would smile happy. We would smile not looking ratchet. You know, we were looking good mm. because physical to people, we were, not, we were, as ourselves, we look like we're starving, we're hungry. But when people look at us, because we have Christ, we are shining. In their eyes, we are shining. People say we look good, but it's because God was making us look good and shining mm. because we put trust in him and we were depending on him, even though mm. We were 100% had literally nothing. You know, yeah. some, sometimes kids, you depend on your dad. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm not worrying anything. I'm not worrying anything because my, my dad has money and my parents mm-hmm. has money. But for mm-hmm. us, they didn't have anything. We didn't have any, nobody to go through and be like, dad, do this to us. No, we, even as kids, we, we were only taught. We don't have anything. Just ask your God. Don't ask me. Mm, wow. So that's how I don't think power of prayer. Mm. I don't think you mentioned this before, but the power of prayer. (laughs) How many siblings do you have? You have have, a big family. (laughs) I have a big family. I've got five ladies, five sisters, and four and three brothers. So that's a lot of people. It's a lot alone, just having to deal with that. (laughs) You had the whole soccer, yeah, soccer team ready. (laughs) Wow, wow! You're one of the oldest. Is that right? Yeah, the second oldest. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 incredible. And I just want to, you know, just I think it's easy to forget, especially when we're here in a context within the US where we don't have to depend on a lot of people. Like here we can really get a job. It's it you have access and even what you said you are not allowed too, because of your documentation status. Like you didn't have papers to be able to you know, like kind of hear the mentality where it is like, oh, well, you, you just go get a job and then you yeah. feed your family. It's like, this is a whole, that doesn't apply <laughs> to doesn't. to certain yeah. d- d- different stories. You know, it's not because you don't want to, it's because like you couldn't, you know, it wasn't a thing, but, but just seeing the power of prayer, like it's easy to forget in, in context like this. It's like, well, I can, I can rely on myself. I can depend on myself, you know, like that need of God, but hearing your story is a reminder of like God provides God is sees God is present Mm. in the the hardest of like hardest situations like he will provide and he's alive like power uh, the power that there is in prayer it's active it's active and alive um so thank you for sharing that I think it's just a beautiful reminder for for all of us who are listening Definitely. I feel like it's also just the prayer of expectancy that gets Mm. me is we can easily pray for, you know, you know, Lord, help me with this. Lord, help me with this. But it's the prayer of like, no, Lord, I know who you are and I know you're capable of providing in this way. Like that's a different level of faith (laughs) that takes Mm -hmm. some some time wrestling with the Lord. You know, it's not it's not easy at all. I I can't sometimes Mm -hmm. for me. I can't believe that I used to do that. Like my parents, they used to mm. gather us together every single day. Like, mm. let's go on our knees. Let's pray. 
let's pray that God is going to answer us that one day he's mm. going to get out of this situation, that he's going to get us to a safe country one day where we can have a better life, where we can have education, where we can live mm. as a normal child around the world. We used mm. to pray for those things. We used to pray for those things. We used to pray for food. And as, as I, when I was young, I, used to, I felt like my faith was, my faith with Christ was more like in another level. Compare, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, honest, mm-hmm. honestly, compared to how I am now old. Look, I, I like get that. that. Has mentioned I that. get that. I have mentioned yeah. that. Yes, that the dependence. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I feel you. I understand. Moving to the U.S., actually, I, I have struggled with my faith the yeah. most until I moved here, which people... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because again, it's it's easier to depend on yourself. And that like, there's something that comes with growing up in a place. And obviously, my story is different than yours. But like, where safety is not guaranteed, where you can't depend on your government, you know, where that's not a thing. And it's like, no, but we have Jesus. And that is enough. Like, I remember, like, my parents, like, that's enough. Like, yeah, we have this violence, all this corrupt government. But Jesus is he is wow. with us, Enough. with wow. us, you know? So, and I miss that. I miss that yeah. kind of, you know, cause yeah, they're, I mean, it's generally safe to go out on the street. It's just different, you know? But anyway, yes, I, I, I feel you, John. I, yeah. as an immigrant myself as well, I, yeah. something that it's, at times I do miss that kind of dependence and faith, you yeah, know? When, when I always share this story, I always ask people, especially people from America, people who live over here, I can say Americans. I always ask them like, when was mm-hmm. the last time? When was the last time you ever pray for food, like for your family? Oof. When was the la- When was the last time have you ever sit down and be like, God, please, I'm starving. I need food for tomorrow. I I don't have clothes mm-hmm. to wear. I don't have shoes. I don't have this. I don't have a cell phone. I don't. Some prayers in America don't exist because they have everything. Mm. Yeah. People don't pray for I things, things yep. like that. Kids in the no, US. No, that's they don't what pray. I was gonna say too. Food. Just like traveling. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time I've traveled, which like I've traveled a good bit, but every time I've traveled, it's so evident that there is a survival mentality that we have never as Americans, we will never Mm -hmm. understand. Yeah, yeah. We will never be able to say in the in the midst of our, you know, obviously hard seasons, hard things happen, but we'll never Mm -hmm. be able to say like, man, like that was like life or death in a sense you know like yeah. i just feel like like For i sure. went to turkey yeah. and they were literally like well we're surrounded by countries that want to go to war with us you know like yeah. we're mm-hmm. always on edge of a war breaking mm-hmm. out like yeah that's just a different lifestyle it's a different mm-hmm. experience than a lot of us yeah. in america can even attest to yeah 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 wow. no, i agree i agree okay so that's mm-hmm. a great transition because speaking of uh okay so when did you immigrate to the U.S.? You mentioned you were at the refugee camp for nine years. So when did mm-hmm. you come to the U.S.? And can you share a little bit about what that process was like coming here? Yeah, I'm telling you, the pro- coming to the U.S. is not easy. I'm telling you, when people think mm-hmm. coming to the U.S. as a refugee is easy. It's not easy. You have to go through interviews. Even f- There's a lot of people in the refugee camp. They go for interviews even for 20 years, and they're mm-hmm. still not accepted. They go to refugee, they have kids, they have babies, they get married, they start their life, they even die mm. through going the interviews. Mm, to so the process to itself. The, mm-hmm. the process itself is so hard. Like you have to be accepted. Mm-hmm. You gotta 
you have to be eligible for that, even though you're a refugee. Mm-hmm. But we were interviews every two months. We go to the office interview. We come back for nine years. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to, they had to, the last interview we did, they had to send the CIS from the US to the US embassy to come interview us, the USCIS. You know, mm-hmm. we, we saw some, some big, tall, you know, American soldiers coming in. And we were young as an African kid, you know, scared, man. Like, mm. they're so huge with tattoos. They come with hats. They look like military, like CIS. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Like I'm telling you, I'm, I'm serious. You know, Africa, we are very small, skinny people. And we went to the interview. We see this big dude, Americans, beer. <laughs> they say, they say, okay, now you guys, you got the interviews with the USCIS. What is mm-hmm. the CIS, you know? So they had to call every yeah. child in the office. Every child has to go to the office to ask you questions. You have to say the exactly same question like your brother. If you say yeah. something different, yeah. if you say something different, they're gonna terminate your case and you're not gonna go nowhere. So what my are they dad, looking for in that instance? Like, what are they asking questions about? I don't know. This is the, it's the U.S. immigration. Like, the, that's like the final point with the U.S. embassy with the U.S. CIS. So they have mm-hmm. to ask you a lot of background stuff. You have. So my dad. We, we stayed there all night preparing for the interview so we can say the same thing, all of us. So we, if you mess up, we are not going to go no more to the U.S. or whatever. So, so when... No, so I get that, it, yeah. Yeah. We knew yeah. we were going to go. Yeah. So the, what made us know, knew that we were going to come to the U.S. Is, is, is our last interview. They sent us to the U.S. embassy. So we know like, oh, so that means we're going to go to the U.S. If they send our case to Australian embassy, that means we're going to go to Australia. If they send our final case to Canada, that means, oh, Mm -hmm. we're going to go to Canada. So when they send our last interview to the USCIS or the US embassy, we knew I'm going to be an American, baby. (laughs) The American dream. (laughs) I'm going to be, you know, you'll probably be like, uh, I'm like, like, man, I'm going to New York. I'm a New York (laughs) boy. No, yeah, but just just to give a little bit more insight, because in this sense, it was similar in my experience as well. Again, being a refugee and an immigrant is two different things. But one thing that you said, like I also, John and I had to prepare for our interviews. When you said we had to stay up, you have to get your facts right because they're trying to look for holes. Like Anna, you asked, what are they? Why are they asking? Is they're trying to look for holes in your story to see if there's any way to deny you. So like, I remember being super nervous and I'm like, okay, this is the date. And I remember getting one of the dates wrong. And I'm like, great. This is it. This is it. This is it. But thankfully, it didn't happen. But it just the nerves that people, you know, they they don't understand of what when you go through the it's like rigorous and it's like not fun. Like you get a serious person like tell me this, 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 and this. And so obviously you're nervous. And sometimes I know my mind went blank, and I'm like, I know, I know that this is when we got married. This is when we start. You know, so you go through your story because they're trying to look for a hole. So it's a very intimidating. Mm-hmm. process to have to like you you feel like you're you're treated as you're guilty without yeah. there being something you're guilty of i don't know if you felt I'm this gonna, way john i'm gonna t- i'm gonna tell you something man like during our, our uscis interviews like those cis they asked we were together with my brother seeing that they asked my brother mm-hmm. what's your parents name what's your parents mm-hmm. name you know what my brother mm-hmm. said because he was scared he said he said my our neighbor's name that's his parents name oh <laughs> 
No, I get it. I mean, you guys are kids. Well, and let me ask a question. This might be really silly, but we were like Jesus. No, if you don't speak questions. What if you don't speak English? Do they have translators? They have translators. Okay. Because that's also intimidating to not be the native language. And so oh, yeah. you could also yeah. get yeah. your your dates confused. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. all they have they have everything. They have all the translators in the office translating for mm-hmm. that. So after after we finished that interview, then um, uh, they were like, Okay, now we're gonna call you guys and I uh, give you the answer. We're gonna send you an envelope if you guys uh, pass the interview and qualify. Imagine that the last interview is mm. after nine after nine years. And mm. and you can get rejected again over there. Mm. So mm-hmm. when we fi- when we finished that interviews, you know what my dad told us? You guys don't worry about anything. The angel is with us. God sent an mm-hmm. angel already. God sent mm. an angel already to clear a path, a way for us mm. to clear every rejection. So mm. there's I want to meet your dad. You gotta meet him, man. He said he said I want to meet him too. Nothing. He sounds he, like yeah. A man of that's why, like real that, faith. That, that, that's why I wrote the song. He knows my name mm. because God was God was fighting for my family. I want to cry. Okay. He knew us. He knew us. He was so fighting cool. for us. He was fighting for us through our journey. He knew our name. He was like mm. my, my mm. before, before the interview. Before even we go to the interview, my dad told my family that I had a dream that God sent the angel already. He already mm. cleared the name. He already removed all the obstacles that this is it. This is the last one after oh. these interviews we're going to go through. Man, we we did the interview. We were nervous, but my dad encouraged us like, guys, don't be nervous. God already sent an angel. He has already cleaned every mess. So these mm-hmm. interviews, we are already in. So we went home and uh, we just stayed for like one month. My dad used to have a big phone, you know, the big phone, mm-hmm. the Motorola with the antenna. Mm-hmm. Yep. They told they told my dad uh, we we're gonna call you guys for one month. My dad literally charged that phone for one month. And he was sitting outside with that phone waiting for that one phone call that is gonna change our life. One phone call. So we were all sitting outside, you know, we were just sitting outside doing nothing. And my dad had this phone call. He says, like, whoa. The UNHCR, which is the United Nations High Commission. They called my dad. Wow. And they, they told my dad. My dad picked up the phone. They called, hey, hello. And say, uh, we need your family back to the U.S. Embassy as soon as possible because we want to send you, we want to send your family mm. to, the ori- to the orientation and the medical checkup. Man, that phone call changed our life. Like, wow. Wow. My dad, That's making me emotional. <laughs> Yeah, because because when when you hear that they're gonna call you Nine to years. do a medical, like med, yeah, the, that they're gonna send you for a medical checkup, just know that they have accepted you guys, and now you're gonna go to the mm. US. When we had mm. that phone call, man, I felt we felt breakthrough. We all jump, we jump, man. I was like, mm. I used to go to school over there as a refugee, but I was like, no more. This is it. I'm not from here. No, I'm going to the US. Man. Okay. I just want to be honest and real about this. Did you ever have doubts in those nine years that you just were going to stay at the refugee camp? I would imagine. We had doubts. We had Mm -hmm. doubts. Like, when when is this? When is God Mm going to rescue my family? Right. Like, God, God, why are you asking questions? 
Why are you taking so long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's, what's wrong? Can you help us, please? We were doubting him, but at the same time, we were like, no, 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 no. We, mm-hmm. if we, mm-hmm. if we keep him out of our life, then we are dead. We just wow. have, even, even, mm. even, even though, even though nothing is happening, we just have to keep asking him and keep knocking and keep him more closer. We gotta continue keeping him more closer and closer and closer, even though nothing is happening. Wow. You know, that's is that why you wrote? Is that I was why just you gonna say the that, oh. Jacob song? Sorry. Huh? <laughs> is that why you wrote the um, Jacob and the wrestling song? I'm trying to piece all your songs now. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's why I wrote because because <laughs> to bless this you. Is a, yeah. Yeah, Jacob. Because we were fighting. You are fighting with the Lord. You have to bless mm-hmm. me. It doesn't matter how, how difficult it is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how, how, how hard it's going to be. Because my dad used to read us the stories about Jacob in the Bible. That like, uh, my dad used to say, Jacob was wrestling with the Lord. You have to bless me. You have to bless me. You know, <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't give up. Because, you know, you can't wrestle with God. He's so powerful. But you have to try. And we have to wrestle him with our faith. We have to wrestle even with our prayer. Until he say... You guys are bothering me, man. Now I can bless you guys. You know that's what he did. That's what he. That's what yeah, he did to Jacob. Yeah. That's what he did to mm-hmm. Jacob. He was like, okay, okay, oh, yeah. now. Yeah. Jacob wrestled with the Lord until daybreak, and mm. Jacob said, "I will never let you go." So we wrestle with God for the blessing, so He can take us to the US. Mm. And wow. he was. And look at that. Was, yep, and he was tired of us bothering him, and mm. that's what God wants in our life. He wants us to make him tired by asking and asking and asking and knocking and knocking without getting tired. He's going to get tired and give up and be like, okay. He, he can't give up, no? He'll be like, okay, mm. my son, I'm going to bless you now because mm. you've asked. That's a whole sermon. You just took it as yeah. church right now, guys. I know. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but also, yeah. I, as a musician and vocalist myself, yeah. a songwriter as well, getting this insight is gold. <laughs> so thank you for even sharing like the behind, you're giving us a behind the song without even, you know, behind. asking. No. So this is your sign. Go to John, find John, find his music. And when you listen to these songs, you're going to have an insight of where they began. What's the heart behind them. So it's just beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Man, God is good, man. Like whenever I share these things, I always feel, so powerful and more closer mm-hmm. to God. It always feels amazing. I'm telling you, it's like he always mm-hmm. like lift my spirit. Mm-hmm. You see, like how how God works. He works in miraculous way. And well, just... and your family is so talented. You are yeah. talented yourself, but your mm-hmm. family is incredibly talented. Yeah. And so I just can't help but think. I mean, God had that plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he had a plan. He planned. He it just out. did. Yeah, that's so cool. You've taken us on a beautiful journey. Oof, oof. Um, I want to change gears a little bit. Thank you so much for uh, I, I feel honored just being here and listening to your story. Man, what a gift. So it's yeah. a gift, John. Thank you for just mm-hmm. being so open with with everything. Um, but I want you to share a little bit of okay, you um immigrated here. 
Um, how long has it been since you've been in the U.S.? And can you share a little bit of like the beautiful and hard because there's hardship, you know, that comes with also being an immigrant and a foreigner in this country as well. There's also so much beauty, um, very yeah. nuanced. That there's lots of layers that come with that. Can you share some of that your experience here in the U.S.? Yeah, I came. I came in the U.S. two thousand and nine. And I was uh, I was 17. I was 17 during that time when I came to this country. And uh, all I can say, uh, like, I landed in a country that I used to see on a TV, on a black and mm. white TV. Mm. And I used mm. to see on movies. Never in my life that I ever thought that I was going to come to the U.S., to be honest. Like, so for me, coming to the U.S., my first time I, I landed in New York, that was like the first time I stepped, I stepped my, my body in this country. Man, I was amazed by the New York, like the U.S. I was like, so this is America? Mm. I was like, wow. You know, as a child, I was like, wow. This is like, I just saw the beauty. I just saw the development. I just saw some beautiful road that I've never seen in my mm. life. I see people. Yeah. I, see di- I see different people that don't look like me. Mm. You know, so everything I was, I was still processing. I was like, wow, so this is the U.S. And at that time, was, the only thing was hitting me over there was just culture shock. Just mm. yes, man, I, I'm shocked with this country. I'm just shocked yeah. with everything. I see mm. people like so when when I came to the US and then we were we were settled in North Carolina, which was Greensboro. So we had like mm. we had friends, we, we had people waiting for us at the airport. They welcomed my family. Uh, they put us mm. in a, a beautiful apartment, and we started our life over there. And uh, uh, just in, like we sleep, and then in the morning, that's when we were like, "What well, is the first day in America?" And it's like you are, you are waking up in an egg. Like you are being born in a new egg. You know, because mm. we came, because we came at night, and you are you are coming up of a new egg like a baby chicken, like a baby chicken. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Being hatched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were like, yeah. so this is how America looks in the morning. You're like, wow, the smell mm. and everything. Mm. The food they, they were giving a food. The food was so different. Everything in the food had salty and sugar. I'm like the beans. I'm I didn't like, even man, think about that, like having your first like sugar rush. <laughs> you know, we we had they prepare a lot of food. Everything was in the can, canned food, mm-hmm. you know, box, mm-hmm. box, box food. Everything, mm-hmm. the beans, the beans were sugary. You know, the cabbage was sugary. I was like, the chicken was, sh- was sweet. I'm like, I'm like Jesus of Nazareth. So this is America. Everything is sweet over here. Things that I'm not used to, you know what I mean? But yeah, we're eating. Yeah, we're eating. We're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm start thinking of my my big fufu in Africa, <laughs> fufu, you know. <laughs> so, but that one it was taking time. It was taking time to get used to it. Um, For sure. And then we started. Yeah, we started getting friends who uh, started taking us around the country, around the city, introducing us to people, introducing us to new friends, taking a, uh put us in schools, and then we started adjusting. Um, uh, I can say, uh, one of the shock thing that I was really surprised with was the snow. It's the cold, you know, being mm, born, mm-hmm. uh, being being born with sun, the sunlight all my life, and then over the sudden, the snow man is coming, you know, it's, it's freezing, and we are like, <laughs> what is this, man? I, my, my question was like, I really, feel that. I, I I survived the war. Am I really gonna survive mm. this? It's cold in the US. Oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I can't, 
<laughs> You're like, I've survived worse. I've survived. Am I, am I yeah. going to survive the cold? That's yeah. a real question. <laughs> yep. And the same year we landed in the US, it started snowing in December. So I was like, wow, this is never seen snowing my, my whole life. And mm. it was really a good, mm-hmm. it was really a good, like a good experience. So America, um, we did. After living in the U.S., I just came to realize that I'm different compared to other people. Of course, my mm. my color, my skin, my skinny tone. I came mm-hmm. to realize that we we totally different people. And uh, thank God, where where I live in North Carolina, we I feel like God blessed us with good friends. He blessed mm. us with friends from from here that they were they were like our sponsors. And uh, they they put us in a church where we got good friends in North Carolina in Greensboro. Mm. So everybody, I feel like everybody loved my family. Everybody like mm. welcomed us so well. You know, mm. they were giving us things. They were giving a bike. You know, as a teenager, seventeen, they were giving us bikes. You know, they were buying us. Mm. First of all, my first musical instrument was it was my sponsor who bought it for me in North Carolina, mm. Greensboro. Then that's when I started learning how to play the guitar. Uh, I can say that going growing up in the U.S. in North Carolina. I never see anything that really shook me, and we were like, "Man, you're not from here." Like, I knew I was I knew I wasn't from here, but I mm-hmm. felt like I was introduced to good people in a good community of friends. Yeah. that makes me. They made me feel like, no, 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 you are not from here. Even though you are different, you're from Africa. Even though your color is is different, but we love you, and you're from here because you're from the church. You know, so we were. I was based in that community, in that area. And they stayed with us for almost like almost seven years. They're still our friends up to now. You know? and, some of, and some of those people, they even, when we started the organization, they even joined to be the board of director for my organization. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was introduced to good people, good American people. That's they good. Accepted, who they accepted us. They loved us. And they they made us feel like this is your second home. You are loved, mm. and mm-hmm. start your life over here. And that that was my experience for ninety. Uh, it doesn't matter. This country is perfect. Things are not perfect. You know, I've seen things. I've um, I can say my um, maybe you guys have questions that you want to ask me for that one. So I can ask. For sure, for sure. No, and thank yeah. you for sharing that because that's very important. Yeah. As we've yeah. had other people guests being guests here, their experience yeah. has been different and not have been yeah. welcomed immediately. So the fact yeah. that you were able to, and as you said, introduce to good people, yeah. church people that yeah. loved you guys and welcomed you guys, because yeah. unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not the case always with immigrants, spe- like that's especially true. like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not, unfortunately, sadly, not everyone gets met with that love and welcome, <laughs> like here, giving you things, yeah. um, which is just sides that we've also like, have made space yeah. for here, you know, it's like yeah. the both and there's so much to be thankful for in being a part of this country. And also, as you said, there's and, and, and I'm, I wholeheartedly believe this, there's no perfect country, 1000%. That is not no yeah. perfect, no perfect country. Um, but it's like it's seeing the the beauty because there is, seeing the, like the good that there is because there is, and also 
being aware of also the the hard things that come with that. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you in, uh, on that, because yeah, there is something that even when I shared my story of immigration with Anna, just a lot of stereotypes that come with when you're yeah. an immigrant and people make about you or your country and just all these things that come with that, you know, microaggressions from like little ignorant things to like blown up, like straight up racism, you know, that it's not as comfortable to talk about, but it is also a reality. Um, So I wanted to ask you, because one thing that we also talked about with Anna, it's um, like language, you know, our different uh, accents or what you look like. Uh, or what country you're, you're from and people saying, for example, in my personal experience, like, oh, you don't look like this or you don't look like you, you're from Honduras or you don't dress like you're from Honduras. And, and it left yeah. me confused in a lot of ways. And like, what do you mean by that? You know, or even though pe- people always compliment me on my English, they're like, oh, your English is so good. And I'm like, thank you. And I know what you mean by that. <laughs> you know, what, what's the sometimes the intention or assumption? of like, oh, immigrants can't sound like that, you know? So I wanted to, if you are willing to share some of your experience with with that, because it is also something that as immigrants, we get stereotypes, you know, have you experienced that? Because I mean, again, your every experience is different. Maybe you haven't experienced that, but you know, if you can tell us a little bit of of that side of like immigrating and being here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What what I understand is that I've I've experienced all that before and, um, Mm-hmm. What I've I've learned in I've experienced that and I've learned a lot from that, especially being an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have to be you just have to be ready for anything, because mm. of course we are immigrants. Uh, we are different, and this is not our country. We're coming here to make a new life. And I can say my first experience was in high school, because mm. I know high school sometimes they are very childish kids over there. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like on our class, there was some some of our classmates they were asking me. Tell us about Africa. Did you guys sleep with the lion? Like, you know, you live in the lion? Like, did you guys live with lions? And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, you guys have, like, house in the trees, sleep in the trees, and just live around animals, mm. like lions and stuff like that. So I, I was looking at those kids. I'm like, for me, my, my beautiful best answer I was giving those kids in high school was like, yes, I lived with anim- I lived with lions. I lived with it. With... <laughs> I... This is incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yes, I lived with those lions. As a matter of fact, to be considered a man, to be considered, to be considered to be a man, to be <laughs> to be considered to be a man in Africa, in my culture, you have to kill a lion. And I and kill, I kill. A... I told him I kill a lion because in mm-hmm. order for enough in in my culture, Africa, mm-hmm. to be given a to be given a wife. It shows like it shows your strength, like you can protect your community, you can protect your village, and mm-hmm. in order to do that, in order to do that, you have to go kill a lion. So I told them, I killed a lion in my village. <laughs> They're like, that is amazing. Yeah, okay. because because you you you're asking me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Am I Samson <laughs> in the Bible to kill a lion? Like really? You know? Did they believe you? You flipped it. Probably. Yeah. yeah, they believe me because they ask the question in a curiosity. Like, you're from maybe you're from the jungle. You, like, Africa doesn't have technology. Africa doesn't have cities. Africa, look. Yeah. So 
in order for me to cut the story short, I told them, yes, I lived with lions and I killed a lion before. So you guys, I'm strong, I'm powerful. I didn't kill a lion. Watch out. They, watch out. Watch so they out. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so they believe me. They believe me, but at the same time, I told them, I told them, hey, guys, listen. There's a lot of poverty in Africa. Mm-hmm. In Africa, there's some parts that are pretty developed. We have cities. Not everybody yeah. in Africa is poor. Not everybody yeah. in Africa is poor. Not everybody in Africa has experienced war. There's some people, countries in Africa, they mm. never have war. Like yeah. Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of countries like Botswana. There's a lot of South Africa. There's a lot of super developed. They have big cities. They have roads just like New York. You know, they have, they're well developed. And there's a lot of countries, there's a lot of poverty in Africa. We have tribes. We have tribes in Africa, mm-hmm. like, the Ma- like the Maasai tribes in Kenya. They live mm-hmm. with lions. They live with that's their culture. Mm-hmm. They live in mm-hmm. the, they live in a Maasai Mara where there's lions. They even hunt animals because it's their culture. They live with, we have those kind of people in Africa that they yeah. live with lions and, and animals. It's not a problem for them. They know how to handle lions, they know how to deal with mm-hmm. them. They live with them. You can even go in Kenya and visit the tribe, you're gonna see, wow, this is their life. They live in huts. We have those mm-hmm. kind of people in Africa, but is not everybody that lives there. Yeah. So and and that's like, that that's the the yeah. layer that I usually talked with yeah. people and I think a lot of immigrants just yeah. like depending on, on where you come from it's like every the stereotype yeah. is like you're all the same, you speak the same language and I think it, it happens in some ways in Latin yeah. America as well like yeah. everyone assumes yeah. that my culture is Mexican and I love my Mexican brothers and sisters but Honduras yeah is completely different we, we have freaking... different food it's in, in the same in africa like there's so yeah. many dialects so many languages so many different realities you know that that happen yeah. and it can't be reduced to oh it all looks one way so thank you for sharing yeah. that because i think it's good and yeah. and i'm so glad that you had that posture of because it's not easy to also educate people yeah. sometimes and because yeah, yeah. it's it's stereotypes and every depend every person depending on personality will react different to yeah. th- those experiences i love that you went the humor side and just totally ran with it uh, but also yeah. i'm glad that you were able to to educate and some hey like yeah. This is Africa is a big continent, you know, and there's is, many yeah. different countries, you know, that yeah, cult- yeah. we're not all one, you know. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah Just... I've, uh, I've I've experienced that also also in normal life. Of course, I have an I have an accent. In accent, we're mm-hmm. never gonna change. Yeah. I mean, whenever I speak, I always, whenever I talk, especially when you're introducing to people like me, like young people mm-hmm. like me, you they're like, so what's your name? Ah. Uh, what? They're like, they ask me like, Tita, what, what? Did you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? This is my name. Because mm-hmm. they already mm-hmm. say, it's like they already say, you are, we can't understand your accent. You know what I mean? We can't understand. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things sometimes, mm-hmm. you always like put me down a little bit of like, of why course. do I have to repeat myself all the time? Mm-hmm. I have to say my right. name once by, you got to explain. Even when I say John, what? John? It's like John has to be said in a type of, in a type of way. I'm I like, want to hear, hear your best American accent. I won't expose him like that. I'm like, am I supposed to say John in American accent? How do you even say John in American accent? Yeah. When I say John. There you go. John in American 
<laughs> so those kind of little things, but and me, little I, things have become big I things that you think about consistently. You know, because yeah, I think yeah, yeah. names it's no, it's names. such a thing. Yeah. Like in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. I mean, even my name. Like a lot of people, I, yeah. I do a lot of even for this podcast. I debated, am yeah. I going to do the English version or the original, which is in Spanish, Marlin? You know, and, and I understand, obviously, yeah. it's, it's in a different language, but there is something just about, like, something as that might seem little that is, like, oh, dismissive, but people usually don't think about their names, you know? And then you yeah. go to, you're, you become an immigrant, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know my name was going to become this whole thing every time you introduce yourself, yeah. <laughs> you know, into, like, the why it should be your name or the why it shouldn't be your name, you know, and having to defend, even like explain into the whole thing of like, oh yeah, this is my name. Well, there have been times that I'm like, you know what? I don't have energy for this. I'm just going to say my name's Marlon. That's what that, you know. Yeah, even <laughs> even my name. For us, Marlon. Yeah, yeah. Even, even, even the name, even my name, John, I, I go, I mm -hmm. go with, with, with John, man. When I, when they ask what's my name, in when I'm surrounded with Americans or maybe friends or whatever, and then they ask my name, what's your name? John. They kind of look surprised when I say I'm John. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, they're not expecting me to say that name. I'm like, maybe no, they're expecting, but they're not expecting that somebody like me can be that John. I'm like, why? Yes. A name is a name. Part. Right. Right. A name is a name. If you want to be called an African name, go get an African name, call yourself, it's gonna be your name, register your name with the government, and you're gonna be like that. That's your name. You know, yeah. I'm like so whenever I say I'm John, I'm like, wow, John, wow. I'm like, oh, maybe you think I'm from Africa and then you think that that's not my name. So those yeah. kind of things, I'm like. <laughs> it's your American and, name. And even, even yeah, and, and I think that it's a great thing to even be cognizant of as we think about names. It's a way to love people well as well, mm -hmm. like as, 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 as small as it is like, yeah, this is my name and yeah. I want you to honor it and also not question yeah. it. You know, don't, don't, don't well, question it. Like and I think it, it goes into yeah. this for sure. And stereotypes. I mean, that that's where like, they're so surprised that you, yeah. a man from Africa, from Republic of Congo, because of stereotypes, right? And because of upbringing, because of what they think of what a person from Africa should be named. They're like, a black man, you know? a black man, a black, a black man, man yeah. a black yeah. man being John. Yeah, that, that too. John. That too. Yeah. John is in yeah. the Bible. You know, I, I give my, my dad, we give ourselves, John is in the Bible. It's an English Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's good. Oh, it's good. Like that, but yeah. yeah, no, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Because I know it's not something that I hear a lot of people talking about just yeah. in our experiences. Because I, again, and it's a thing, we're, we're thankful to be here as immigrants, right? Our countries of origin have a lot um that we just survive from right and yeah. also as you said in the part of the imperfections that we have to deal with as immigrants um and i can't even imagine because obviously i even I, and i was telling anna like as a latina woman who is lighter skin i can also pass I'm, i i could i'm considered like a white passing latina but mm. i have seen the experiences different to my brother who is darker skin you know or who has a thicker accent and his experience changes and has experienced other things that I personally haven't, you know, and I can imagine for you as well, you know, as a black man from Africa, you know, your yeah. experiences, you also are stereotyped in a different way, you know, that 
probably when people just see you, they see a black man, but you're like, but my experience also is from a different place, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, can yeah. you share just a little bit? I'm very curious, you know, about yeah. that, that experience between, you know, being black in America, but also yeah. like culturally you're different. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you something like when, before I came to the U S uh, we mm -hmm. did, uh, we did orientations. When, when you're about to come to the U.S., they start teaching you about the U.S., they teach you about the police in the U.S., they teach you about mm. the, um, the American culture, how to live. And they told us, when you go to the U.S., police is your best friend. Mm. They, said, they said police is going to be my, is my friend. When you go to the mm. U.S., there's no police is your friend. He's somebody that you are not supposed to be scared, a police mm. officer. Mm. So I can't, we, we, a lot of refugees, immigrants, we came, refugees, we come with the mindset because we went through orientation. Yeah. They're like, oh, whenever you need help, call the police. You stuck on the road in the U.S., call the police, they're going to be there to rescue you. Like when you mm. see in the U.S. police, you see police in the U.S., just know that your friend is not somebody to be scared of. Like, like some police in Africa, we are scared of police. They, they can beat you, you know, they can slap you, they can, mm. they can do something bad to you, we're like police in Africa is people that we are not closer to them, you know, but in America, when we did the orientation, we came in the U.S. and we, after staying in a while for America, we started seeing this racism stuff, or oh, police getting in trouble with the black men, mm. killing, yeah. killing black, yeah. black people all the time. Mm. After seeing those kind of things, and it started coming into our mind, hmm, remember, you're a black man in America. You can't forget mm. that, even though you're from Africa. Even though you're an immigrant, you know, even though you're a refugee, they told you police is your friend, but I've, we started changing our minds, seeing something, mm. different perspective, after seeing what has been happening, oh, police brutality, oh, kill, police is killing black men, so you were like, yeah, why is police killing a black man, and we were told that police is our friend, you know, when I was mm. young, I used to think like, why, Oof. police is our friend, who's going to mm. help us in the US, who's wow. going to help us? It started like bringing some thoughts into our mind and like mm. they told us police is our friend. How? He's killing a black man. And what's, what's going wow. on over here? So anytime when I'm stopped by police, I always have to make sure that, you know, this, I feel, I used to feel like, no, 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 I'm not going to be scared no more because he's our friend. But after seeing what happened now, it, it changed my mind. I'm like, I have to be scared a little bit. I have to get ready for it because I don't yeah. know what's going to happen, you know, mm. either. I'm not gonna. I'm from Africa. Yes, I have different culture. You know, I have different mm -hmm. way of of view things compared to a a black American, like a, mm -hmm. a real real black American in Africa. We are all black people, but we are all mm -hmm. different. We have different culture. You know, yeah, we have yeah. different. We have di we have different cultures. You know, I used to think maybe because I'm Africa, that's gonna save me from a police. You know, that's mm -hmm. gonna make me different from a, compared to a black. America, who is an American mm. from here, you mm. know, I used to think like that, oh, maybe for, maybe me, I'm safe from my police. Mm. Mm. I used to have that mindset, you know, but maybe I'm safe. Mm -hmm. But I came to realize, no, 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 I don't think you are. Yeah. Remember, mm. you wow. still have the same color, you are still in one family, you are still black. So I have, I have to make sure that um, I'm doing what this police is telling me, I have mm. to make sure that, you know, I'm following the rules, you know, you know, yeah. For me, I have to make sure that, you know, I'm not gonna argue with these police. I have to make sure that I'm obeying mm. because I wanna be safe. 
you know, I wanna mm-hmm. be, I wanna, ra- I wanna raise my children in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, fighting with them, arguing with them, disobeying is is just gonna make me die instead of saving my life. You know. Yeah. So wow. I always make sure that yeah, yeah, I always make sure. Remember, even though you are from Africa, you're a different culture, you have an accent. Remember, you are still the same color with my brothers over here. So that kind of like changed my mind a little bit in uh, making me realize like, man, you know, I just have to follow what I've been told and so that I can be safe because, you know, um, I know who I, who I am. But yeah. it's things that we've, 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 we've experienced and mm-hmm. yes, we have different culture. My, as an African man, mm-hmm. my, culture is, my culture is totally different compared to uh, African men from here, African-American from here. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just the way we were raised different in the different For background. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but at the same time, we are still the same. You know, we yeah. are still the same black yeah. men. Yeah. We are still, mm-hmm. we are still the same. And yeah. it kind of like changed my pers- perspective. Yeah. And yeah, something like, something like that. Yeah. Thank I you ho- for sharing. You yeah. made absolute sense, and thank you for yeah. being willing to go there. I know not it's it's not an easy conversation. <laughs> I know it's not, yeah. but thank you for just being vulnerable. I just want to thank you for yeah. for being open open with us. Yeah, about I feel that. like that's like such a such insight into another yeah. perspective too. Yeah. Just absolutely being told absolutely you know one thing and then experiencing yeah. certain things. That's why I. I, I work for um, a refugee agencies, and I always meet with mm. a lot of African young. I was just about to I, mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I work with a lot of uh, African newly immigrants that come to the US, mm. and I always, I, when when I when I'm like they're like my clients, I talk to them. They come to office, I visit them. I'm like, hey guys, listen, mm. America, this is a beautiful country, man. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is your dream gonna come true over here. This is where you're gonna have your kids. This is where you're gonna start mm. your life. You're gonna be successful in this country if you work hard. They're gonna love you in this country, you know. But you have to, you have to make sure that you follow these laws. You obey the law. Mm-hmm. Like the laws over here, they're different. The way they behave in America is different compared to how we behave in Africa, mm-hmm. you know. So making sure, sh- yeah, making sure that for your safety, you know, so so that you won't hurt your family members, you won't hurt your parents, you know, because you might be killed easy over here in the U.S. if you don't follow mm-hmm. these laws. You have to be yeah. very, very careful. You gotta be very careful with the f- type of friends that you choose. You know, I mm-hmm. tell them all the time. I try to mentor them. You gotta make sure that you live right. Follow the police. If the police stop you, you know, just follow the rules. You know, don't argue with the police. You know, we know sometimes you might be you may be innocent, mm-hmm. and you want to you want to prove the point that I'm innocent. You gotta know that I'm innocent. But remember that. Look at your color. Mm-hmm. That's so even good. Though you, even though you are innocent. You, your life might end right there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But the way I told them the way to do, even though you are innocent, give them whatever they want. Give mm. them whatever they want. They ask for this. Give them this. Give them this. Even though you are innocent, get out of that Just, place. Yeah. I told them like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, John. I also can't help but really like love the fact that you came from another country as an immigrant yeah. and now you're being able to pour back into people mm. that were in your shoes when you were 17 yeah. coming here uh-huh. i just love how god has worked that out in your story yeah that's like yeah. incredible that he's redeemed that in a way and i'm god, sure that's god like yeah. that's something that is probably healing for you as well i would imagine 
Yeah. You know? So, yeah. um, okay, well, that's a perfect transition into uh, we have one more question for you. How <clears throat> can we love immigrants well, considering what you just said, how you mentor uh, the ones that you work with and just like people that we come across daily that, you know, are maybe newly here from the U.S. Um, or they've been here for a while. But what does that look like exactly in your in your way of loving yeah. immigrants well? For me, I can when 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 we say immigrants, um, I'm gonna truly speak when it comes to refugees because mm -hmm. imi yes. uh, uh, imi imi immigrants, immigrants, they're very they're totally different people. Mm -hmm. yeah. These are the people. These are the people that some of them they had they have good life. Yeah, mm -hmm. they didn't come here. They didn't. Most of them they didn't come here. Most of them they they really choose. I want to migrate in the U.S. because yeah. Their financial was so good. Yeah, I'm you know, glad you pointed that out. That's yeah, true. Yeah, like immigrants are so different. It's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. different. Immigrant because yeah. we cho we chose. Like I chose to go through yeah. the process. Right, that's right. the difference. Yeah. You you as a refugee, you didn't have the choice. Yeah. I mean, I you told us, you walked us through that. You didn't have the choice of where you're going to be re resettled. So you yeah. are just like at the mercy of whatever the immigration, yeah. the, the refugee process is, and that's what you yeah. go through. Right. So as yeah, refugees, so... from a refugee perspective, how, and you work with refugees, what are some ways yeah. that we can be aware of to love refugees well? I just, I just want refugee to be understood. Mm -hmm. They need to just understand refugee well, that they need to be loved. They need to be understood that these people, they came from a really tough place. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we can do for them is to help them get started. Mm -hmm. And when you, when, when you help a refugee, you don't, you don't insult them. You don't, you, you don't look, look down on them because of their mm -hmm. life. Because remember that these people, they are very hard worker. They have seen it all. They have seen it all. These people mm -hmm. can't their life may fail miserably down there when they were in Africa or whatever, but when they come here, they might work hard and even they might defeat you. Mm -hmm. They might defeat you in the way of life in the future. It's like, you know, you may be born or you may be born here in the U.S. That person lives a miserable life. They might come here after sometimes they might be on top of it here. You know, because, mm -hmm. because of their hard work. You know, they just work so hard. I just, they just need to be loved. And I just want to say that you just have to help them, continue helping them so they can help themselves in the future. And uh, what is I was supposed to say? Uh, just accept it. I'm going to give you an example. Nashville, Nashville, mm -hmm. yeah. Nashville don't love refugees. Mm -hmm. I need to go to, to the Senate of Nashville. Mm. I'll tell them Nashville, you, I don't know why you guys don't love refugees. Mm. Why do you say but that? Like, like Nashville, I don't know, maybe because it's a, it's a Republican state. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I work over here and I see mm -hmm. how they treat, they treat refugees. Yeah. Like refugee, yeah. refugees, when, they, when they, they come to Nashville, Tennessee, they, they're not even getting their apartments that they're supposed to get. They mm. put them in a really, really dangerous place. I know they don't have money. I know. I know it's expensive to put them, but just trying to put them in decent place where they're not going to experience uh, the dignifying. trauma that they went through. 
Yes, you dignifying. Them, yeah, you're going to put them in a place where they still have gunshots nightmare. The gunshots mm-hmm. still happening at night yeah. in a place yeah. where I put them. Mm-hmm. Just building the trauma. Mm-hmm. Just building yeah. the trauma. So that, that shows that, no, we don't care about them. You know, we just, just yeah. do this. But I try to treat so them care. well, you know. Care. Thank you. you give them good care. And uh, try, especially a lot of, uh, they don't, uh, they need friends. You know, they need, uh, they need yeah. friends, American fr- friendships from here. Yeah. They need people mm-hmm. from here. You know, they need people from here. You can, you can put them in the same community where they came from, like, oh, because they're from Africa. They put them in the same place where there's, a, there's other African. They're not going to grow like that. You know, yeah. they're not going to get, they're not going to get proper direction. Their mindset is not going to change faster. But if you put them with people from here, you know, with different cultures, they're going to learn a lot and they're going to get up on their feet so faster, mm-hmm. you know, because they have, they live with different kind of people. You know, they're going to see how they yeah. live their life and they're, they're going to want to catch up too as well. You know, so... Yeah. Something like that, just care for refugees, yeah. and uh, uh, we need we need them to have friends from here as well. People, yeah, people visit them in their houses and know people, different people. We need churches to get involved, especially a church. Churches, yeah. I feel a lot of a lot of them they are not active into refugees. I live over here, I work yeah. with them. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, you know they're not they're not visiting them. When a refugee comes to the U.S., man, they don't have they expect somebody from here to mm. go welcome them, show them love, be like, wow, welcome to our country. They yeah. don't get that. They oh, don't get American sure. friends. Oh, yeah, yeah no. they, don't get a, they don't get American friends to go visit them mm. in their houses, you know, visit them, take them, you know, be like, hey, we got you, you know, we're going to be with you, advise you, you know, we're going to uh, find your friends, we're going to make you feel like, wow, I'm home. Yeah. They're yeah. just, like, they're just you just throw them in the apartment and just left them like that. Yeah. These people, they, man. Need, they, they, they need friends from here. They need to feel like, wow, we are welcome over here. These people love us. Yeah. These are new people we are meeting. And that's going to help boost their morale. And it's going to, and, and those friends, give, they're going to give, it, it, those friends going to help their kids to advise them about go to school, you know. Uh, this is how yeah. you better live, you know. Do this right. fast, do this fast, get a job, do this, do this. It's people from here. There's no people from Africa going to help them right. from here. You took yeah, them they're out in of a Africa different. And then mm-hmm. You took them from Africa and then you're bringing them in another African camp in the U.S. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how are they going to grow? How are they going to grow? And even I'm to adapt sure. and navigating, navigating the U.S. system. Like, is, is, I, I, t- I tell people... Yeah. The, the hardships of just that. And even when I shared my story, I was telling Anna, I felt like a kid, even though I was 22 years old when I immigrated to the US, yeah. because there's so much unknown. Yeah. So I I know that yeah. that's yeah. one of the reasons Anna and I want to make a space for people like you, um, that you are bringing us mm-hmm. insight into, hey, yeah. how can we love, you know, refugees that come to this country that, you know, so you, you mentioned yeah. care just care number one because i think and i heard someone recently share that one of the and this was from an american an american pastor here and he was saying one of the things that we see in our culture is the the apathy it's not you know it's the apathy towards people and i think that that is something that immigrants and refugees have experienced firsthand into people don't care about us we're just there you know but 
the reason why we also are bringing these stories is because we want to change the narrative. Like, no, because of Jesus, because we're brothers and sisters, we are called to care, not only care, but to love, you know, and the specific ways that we can do it is first listening, like get to know us. And you said something so beautiful that we hadn't shared before, because we've been asking everyone that we've invited to share their story to tell us, like, how can we love well immigrants or refugees? And you said friendship. Like being a friend requires investment, requires intentionality, requires you to go out of your way. And and not only that, but open up your life. And that is a big challenge. It's a big challenge to being a friend is opening up your life. It's opening up your, 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 you know, your, your home, your, your time, you know? So yeah, no, I I think it's good to think about that. I'm I'm really... I'm really going to give you a perfect example that you're going to understand when I mean care and friend. My mm-hmm. family my family was, it's, it's a big family. When mm-hmm. we went to Greensboro, when, when we went to Greensboro, we, the community that received us, the Americans, they were so friendly. They mm-hmm. met us at the airport. They came to visit my family. They, were, they, invite, they told their kids, hey, these are our new friends. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even... It's not even about financially, them giving us money or giving us physical stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. them being there, come to visit us, take Mm -hmm. us out, take us to picnic, take us to Walmart, Mm -hmm. and uh, taking us to play with their dogs, taking us over there, introducing us to their kids who are in college. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, hey, uh, my kid is going to college, he's finishing university. Us, African kids, we were watching their kids, how they do things. They were like, oh, the kids had a little job. She came from college. She worked a little bit, then she went back to college. Because they were good people, we were watching them. We we're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's how they do. Because they were afraid. They come, hey, guys, our kids are back in town, and they have a summer job, and uh, they're going back to college. They're getting their degree. They're finishing. My family, it's because we had those friends, and we were watching what they're doing. We were like, oh, we need to get a part-time job. And we go to school. We went to school. You know, we study. It's because we were watching those friends, how they're doing. They, oh, we are going to, we have a, we have a, we have a camp for, te- a teenage camp for church. They take us over there. We're like, this is good community. This is good friends. So it's basically like within... getting you involved with, you mm-hmm. know, their, their daily activities. Making you a part of their that... daily life. Right. Like just normal, yeah, regular life. You, you said yeah. nothing special. Yeah. Their life, nothing special. Mm-hmm. No financial. Just watching them, you see how they how they are succeeding, how their kids mm. are going to school, how they're finishing. It opened our eyes to be like, wow, we gotta go to school, we gotta have a job, and we have to finish. Just watching that through that, how they live their life. Yeah. It make us also achieve those things. That's why my family, mm. everybody achieved it. We have a right. doctor in the family who went to school. We have mm. all the all the girls, they have their masters. Everybody in my family has a degree, and you are all refugees. Mm. Mm, it's amazing. because, yeah, it, it's because we we watch those friends. Mm. We follow, we watch how they do things, how they are, they live the American life. Mm. We apply to our life. As, if it's good, we watch the good things. We're like, yeah, the good. Hey, keep the good. Yeah, yeah keep the good. We keep the yeah, good. keep the good. We're like, yeah, we're like, wow, this is how they uh, they apply for credit card. This is how they buy a house. This is how. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell refugee. That's what I tell refugee find 
those churches, good communities, very good communities, mm. very important for this people. It, it doesn't. It's not even about money financially. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because you power of friendship. Gonna tell man. You, power of friendship. It's important. Power of friendship. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just power also like how much that shaped your view of America, because yeah. I feel like, yep. like yeah. we mentioned, like you know. Uh, not everyone has the same experience, unfortunately, moving. Everybody um, has a different, yeah. But at the same time, story, yeah. you know, like how much that impacted you and it carried yeah. you to where you are now and it shaped who you are and your family. It did. It did 100%. It had a I'm huge impact you. on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because we, were having, we were having a good jealous. You know, there's a, there's a bad jealous and a good jealous. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We had a good jealous. We're like, the kids are their kids are getting masters. We're gonna go to college and get masters. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. I th- I, we're like, I think we can do this. Uh, even though yeah. it's hard. Now you, you have access and resources. Yeah. Yeah. Even though ours is gonna be difficult, we were like, I think we can also do this. Hmm. You know, because you learn, you learn from others how they do. Mm-hmm. That's why if you have bad friends, you're gonna learn bad things, and then you're gonna end up getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, so good. Commun- yeah, so good. Co- yeah. Good community and good friends. Good community, it's very yeah. p- important. Very, yeah. it's pivotal. And I think there's a friend too who she's an immigrant, and she said this, yeah. and I I found it super profound. She said the way that someone from a different culture treats you introduces you into into that culture as well. You know, so yeah. that impacts and shapes your first experience. If it's right. a negative one, then you're going to be guarded from people from that culture right or the other way yeah. around and she was talking about she was introduced to a different culture and the way that they welcomed her and as you're saying the way that um they showed her uh their culture she said i was able to appreciate it and celebrate it in a different beautiful way because of how i was mm. introduced to it you know so it's very very interesting to see you know yeah. in your story how how that also help you navigate and i think it's not either or as we've said and as you share the real hardships of you know of also immigrating here there's so many good yeah. you can achieve you have access you have resources um and also access. there is you have other things that you have to face you know as being immigrant or having the you know all the things that come with that that are harder um so yeah anyway Thank you so much for for sharing yeah, I love that yeah. your story it's we incredible incredible yeah. incredible um anna i don't know if you want to close us out yeah i was just gonna say one other thing too i think just by caring we're also yeah. being able to provide a safe place because like you just said coming here you're told one thing and mm. then now mm. as if for my fellow americans out there as Americans, we have the opportunity to also treat people in a way that they feel safe and they feel like yeah. it's okay to be mm. themselves. Like it's okay yeah. to not know, you know, what to do, but to bring them in. Like your friends, like in Greensboro that you said, I think that's so cool because mm. it just challenges me more so to think, okay, like how am I treating people that aren't from here in a way mm that is a positive view of coming here you know i know there's a lot of you know hardship and there's a lot of um unfair things that happen like we've talked Mm -hmm. about but how can we as people as americans Mm -hmm. also just do our civil duty of treating Mm -hmm. people 
in a dignifying way. So, um, yes. okay. Last thing I want to say is yeah. go check out um, John's music. First off, he's very, yes. very talented. Like I said, lo- yes. he's uh, located in Nashville, but I think he has some some shows coming up soon. So go check out JohnTabanera.com and he has information on music that he's releasing i'm guessing and some exciting updates with tours dates and stuff like that that he's got coming up too so um make sure you check that out also what's your instagram handle john tibonera easy enough okay john tibonera there we go (laughs) so go follow him my my everything you mean my instagram handle you mean my instagram name yeah yeah it's the same just my name Okay, so easy okay. enough. Just um, find him on Instagram. And we are going to play a cool little clip of his uh, song that he mentioned on here. He knows my name after this. So stay tuned so you can listen to that. But also something else really cool that he is involved with, like he mentioned briefly on the podcast earlier, is a foundation that him and his brothers started called Tibonera Foundation. If you want to find out more about that, go to tibonerafoundation.org. And it is a really, really cool uh, concept. Once again, just being able to pour back into his homeland and where he's from, um, they basically, uh, they've done shoe drives. They've done different ways of gaining resources to bring back to the Congo and the people in the Congo. So it's really, really cool. Um, You can find them on uh, Instagram at Tibonera Foundation. Um, But just go check that out because that is something that is is really cool that you guys are are doing here. Any last words you want to say, John, before we end this? (laughs) I did enjoy this podcast. I was not expecting it was going to be a good turnout, but it did. Yay! (laughs) Let's go. I'm so glad. Thank you again for joining us. Yeah, we really appreciate you sharing all that you shared. I really appreciate it too. And I know it's going to bless a lot of people. So thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Next episode. (laughs) Bye guys.